Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. How is everybody this morning? Okay? Good, good. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We will also at some point be in Acts chapter 1. So we're going to start in Luke 24, and then we're going to get to Acts chapter 1 in a little while. As you can see from the screen, we're talking about power from on high. We're going to talk about what that means today. What does it mean to have power from on high? What does it mean to be filled and, and touched by the Holy Spirit? You know, I was thinking about this because, like, Teva prayed it. We, we just sang, like, if, I don't know if you remember in that last song. We were, we were calling for God to fill us with power from on high, right? And then Teva prays that the Holy Spirit would be here, and then I'm going to pray in just a second the same thing. But we need to remember that's not just some, like, anecdotal little thing that we do. Like, there, there's real power that is available to the believer. And uh, well, let's pray and we'll get into it. Lord, yeah, as, as we come before you now, We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, instruct and teach us like we've just gathered together here and we're here for you, like like we're not here for any other reason. This isn't vain religion, but like we came to meet with you, your spirit would be strong and powerful and, and manifest to us in this place that we would genuinely feel you here with us and so as we open your word, as Jules said, that this precious living water, would you now speak to our hearts? Like you know where every one of us are and you know what portion of your word we need to hear today. Would you speak as only you can in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, as you guys know, we're doing this series on life and times of Jesus, right? We've been doing it for almost six years now. And uh, so, so we've been going along. We're having a little bit of trouble letting go of it, right? Because you've been with it so long. And so we're down to like the last verses that are even in the gospel. But we're just going to stretch it out. And here's why we're going to stretch it out. Because as we finish the gospels, Jesus finishes them by putting an emphasis on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. He puts an emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit for his disciples to live out the Christian life and to carry out mission. And so what we're going to do is because this is such an important thing, and I know you guys are going to think I'm just stringing out the series longer, but I'm not. This is so important. We're just going to camp out for a while on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and primarily the power today, primarily the power that is available to us as believers. So over the next few weeks, and I, I don't know how long, but over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of the power of the Holy Spirit. So power for living out the Christian life and power for our own personal purity and power over temptation and power for being on mission. And we're going to look at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look at all these different aspects of the power of the Holy Spirit working through believers. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't even know where it's going to like take us. We're just going to start going and go. 
But I do know this. It is incredibly important. In fact, it is absolutely vital. And I'll tell you why it's vital for us to grab a hold of these last words of Jesus in the Gospels about the Holy Spirit and the power that we have. Here's why it's vital. Because it's the difference between cold, dead religion and being a true disciple of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the difference, right? Church without a Holy Spirit, cold, dead religion. Church with the Holy Spirit, disciples, right? So that's the difference. Now, as I said, we'll be talking about this for weeks now. But to get started today, we have a simple goal. Like our goal today is to just grab a hold of the fact that there is supernatural power available to every single believer. And to grab a hold of the fact that God intended his church to have power. Some of us act like we don't, we don't know that. Like God actually intended us to have power and that every single Christian life, mine and yours, is meant to be characterized by power from on high. That, that's where we're going today. We'll get into the details of how that looks in our lives over the next couple of weeks. But for today, my goal is that we would leave this room in awe of the power that is available to every single one of us through the Holy Spirit. And we ought to want that for our lives, right? When we leave today, I'm hoping that everybody wants that for their lives. And in fact, more than want it, I hope that today we reject wholeheartedly reject cold, dead religion and we desire and we pursue lives that will be characterized by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that's our, our goal for today. We'll, we'll get into other aspects over the next couple of weeks, but, but that's our goal for today. Now, you, you guys know this, that sometimes there's a key element missing in something and it just doesn't work. Right, You could go out and buy like the most expensive Ferrari in the world right, and spend 10 bazillion dollars. And like if one spark plug wire is not hooked up, it's not going to run, right? So you just have a very, very nice car sitting in your driveway. It doesn't work. It doesn't do you any good. So somebody was telling me the other day, they'd gone to all this trouble. They were rushing. They were, they were busy, so they were rushing and they made this cake. And they put all the ingredients in, mixed it all together. It all looked good, poured it in the, the pan, slipped it in the oven for its allotted slot, pulled it out, and it was horrible because they had forgotten to just drop one egg in it. Like, like one little thing was missing. Then I was remembering at the beginning of the winter, I was out almost like four and a half months, almost the whole winter with a torn MCL. So I didn't get to surf most of the winter. But at the very beginning of the winter, I went to Sunset to surf. And I'd throw my board in the truck, got my wax, got my leash, got down there, super excited. The waves look good. I get down there, run down the beach, put my leash on, you know, wax up my board. And then I realized I hadn't put any fins in it. And, and so I'm literally standing on the edge of the ocean, ready to jump in and go surf sunset. And I don't have any fins in my board. And you kind of look like a dork when you're walking back up the beach with no fins in your board. Dork things aside... What I mean by this is that one really small element missing can be the difference in success and catastrophic failure, right? Because it doesn't matter how much effort I put in to go surfing sunset. If I don't have that one element, it's going to be catastrophic failure. We know and understand that. 
Here's how it relates to us in the church. This is a real issue in the church, real issue uh, among Christians, that, that we have a lot of stuff in the church today. We have a lot of good intentions in the church today, but often we're missing that one element that, that gets us to where we need to be. So, so that we can live the life that we're intended to live and carry out the mission that we're intended to carry out. That, that one missing element, the Holy Spirit, can, can be the difference, right? That's the difference maker. And far too many Christians today are limping along, failing and frustrated and apathetic and living powerless lives because they're missing that one component. Right? So, so, so that's our, this morning, what we're doing here. Like, like we got to make sure that one thing is not missing. Because we understand that as a church, we can show up over here and we can have great music. We can have like the best musicians and we can all together learn the songs and, and sing beautifully. But listen to me, it'll never be worship if the Holy Spirit's missing, right? And we could come over here and we could study the scriptures. In fact, we could memorize the entire Bible, but we'll never have the power to live it out if the Holy Spirit's missing, right? We could go around and tell people about Jesus, but nobody will ever get saved if the Holy Spirit is missing. Nobody gets saved apart from the Holy Spirit. We we could attempt ministry after ministry with the greatest of effort, but it's only ever going to be a lifeless drudgery if the Holy Spirit's missing. As one quote put it, the Holy Spirit's not merely helpful. We often treat the Holy Spirit like that. Like when we bring him into our lives to help us. He's not helpful. He's our only hope. It's the difference between cold, dead religion and us truly being disciples of Christ. So, so let's look at what Jesus said to his disciples and some of the last words that he gave them. These are not the very last words, but, but we're right at the end of this gospel. And so let's look at Luke uh, 24. We'll begin in verse 44 for context. It says, now he, speaking of Jesus, said to them, speaking of the disciples. So Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then verse 45, look at that, it's such a cool verse. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And look what he says, and you are witnesses of these things. Now stop right there for a second. We are at the end of Jesus' time on earth and physically being with his disciples at this point in the Gospels. And he's reminding them in this chunk of scripture here, all that they have seen and heard and experienced through him with with their time with him. Like, Like, let's wrap our heads around this thing. These guys have been discipled by Christ himself. Like the creator of everything that's ever been created They were discipled by him. They were taught by the greatest teacher to ever live. 
It says that he showed them how he's the fulfillment of prophecy and the word of God there in verse 44. And then in verse 45, it says that he opened their minds to understand the scripture. So they're given now this divine insight into his word to make the connections between the fact that he is the fulfillment of scripture. He is the Messiah, but he would also die and suffer and be raised from the dead. And they've seen this resurrected Jesus. Like, like they've seen a guy that was dead and now alive. And Jesus, God incarnate, lived with them and showed them an example of how they should live. And then they've already received their marching orders, right? We've been going over the the Great Commission for a few weeks now. And as it says in verse 47, they've been commissioned with the good news of the forgiveness of sin to take to all the nations. But, But here's the key of where we're going for today. With all of that, these guys aren't ready. They're still missing this one crucial, vital element. Now look at verse 48 again. Jesus says, you guys are witnesses of all these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of the Father upon you. But look at what it says. But you are to stay in the city until. I have until underlined in my Bible. Until is an important word in here. You are to stay put until you are clothed with power from on high. Reference to the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus' point to these disciples is that with all of their training, even by him himself, which by the way is far more training than any of us have ever had, right? None of us have walked like literally walking physically with Jesus for three years and hearing those teachings like live right there with him and having our questions answered like live right there with him staying. None of us have had that. And he's saying here with all of that and all of that training, you're still not ready. You guys better wait to be clothed with power from on high. Now turn to Acts chapter one. In Acts chapter one, Luke records this same thing just at the beginning of the book of Acts. So the book of Acts opens up here in chapter 1, verse 4, by saying this. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Same thing that he said earlier. But to wait for what the Father had promised, which he had said you'd heard from me. For John baptized with water. But you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and epochs, which the Father has fixed in his own authority. They're like, okay, we we understand that when the Messiah comes, he's going to set up the Messianic kingdom. Like, is it time for that? That's what they've been waiting for the whole time. Boys, don't even worry about that. Here's the key. This is what you boys need to worry about. Verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, in the remotest parts of the earth. Guys, it is highly significant. We can't let this slip by us. That Jesus forbid his disciples to go off into life and ministry without power from on high. Like, like we got to grab a hold of that. 
We've got to understand that Jesus made Holy Spirit power mandatory for these disciples, right? What was his coming? Don't go anywhere. Don't try anything. Just, just stay right here until you are clothed with power from on high, right? right? Don't even attempt it, guys. I mean, even with all your training, Jesus is making it clear to them that Holy Spirit power is mandatory for his disciples. Guys, we need to listen to that. Like, we need to do this. We need to really grab a hold of that fact. And then what we need to do is imagine Jesus speaking this directly into our lives. Right? What we want to do now is personalize it because it's still mandatory. But, but how does it affect your life? What if we heard it like this? Hey, don't go to work tomorrow until you're clothed with power from on high. Why? Because your workplace is still your mission field, right? So, so don't, don't even bother until you're clothed with power from on high. Don't try to raise those kids. Until you're clothed with power from, from on high. Single guys, don't, don't go on that date until you're clothed with power from, from on high. We're never going to be the husbands or the wives that we're intended to be until we're clothed with power from on high. And whatever you do, don't even think about going and trying ministry until you're clothed with power from on high. You see... The goal of this morning is to have us look at our lives in light of these scriptures and understand that the Christian life was meant to be characterized by power from on high. That Jesus made it mandatory. Doesn't feel that way in the church sometimes, huh? But, but Jesus made it mandatory for his disciples. Guys, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. And that we understand and grab a hold of the fact that we're not ready. We're not ready to attempt to live out Scripture, nor to do any ministry for Christ until we have received power from on high. And here's why. Here's why this is so important, guys. The Christian life is impossible. What we have been called to be and to do is absolutely impossible in and of ourselves. Right? We, we gather around in here and we study the word of God. But, but if we understand this book, we have to understand that what it calls us to is beyond us. Do, do we get that? Like, like, do you understand that this book, what, what it calls us to is beyond us? God said, be holy as I'm holy. That's beyond us. We're called to a purity that, that's beyond ourselves. We have this great commission that we've been studying for the last few weeks that tells us to go and reach the ends of the earth with the gospel for the sake of salvation. But we can't save anybody. Nobody gets saved apart from a move of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to forgive each other the way Christ forgave us in Christ. We're supposed to to love one another the, the way that God forgave, I mean, the way that God loved us in Christ. So all of that we have to recognize is beyond us. This this book that you hold in your hand is one giant calling into the impossible. Like that's what we need to look at it. None of us can do it in and of ourselves. None of us can do it in our strength. 
And that's the whole point that Jesus is making to these disciples, even with all their training. Any training we do, any Bible study that we do, we could read the best of Christian books. We could memorize a thousand verses. We could have the best intentions, all the determination, and all the striving in the world. And every ounce of energy. Guys, it's still not enough. It's not enough. There's a crucial element missing. The Holy Spirit. We must have power from on high. And the Christian life was never, never meant to even be attempted. That's what we have to see from this exchange with Jesus and his, and his disciples. Listen, the Christian life was never meant to be attempted apart from the strength of God supplied through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't say, okay, here's what I want you guys to do. Go out and try it. And if you don't do good, then, then call on me. Go out and try it, and and if it doesn't work, then you come to me and I'll get you some power. That's not what he says, even though that's how we often act, isn't it? Right? We often act that way. We're going to go to work tomorrow in our power, and if we get into a situation, then we're going to come to God. Right? We're going to try to raise these kids in our power, but then when it's not going good, we're going to come to God. That's how we often do it, isn't it? We treat Jesus like he's four-wheel drive. We go along fine until we get stuck. And then we turn him on, right? That, that's not the way it's supposed to be. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Don't go anywhere until you're clothed with power from on high. So what that then means for us is that if we're doing it right, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're truly living for God and we're clothed with power from on high, then don't miss this because it'll be telling in every one of our lives. If that's true of us, we'll be living out the impossible, right? If the book's impossible on our own and we're filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can live it out, then we're literally doing the impossible, are we not? Right? So what that does is it allows me to look at my life and say, am I doing anything that's beyond myself? Like we should be able to look at our lives and trip out on them. And be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what just happened. Like, that was so far beyond me. Like, we should be able to go, like, look back on the day, look back on the week and go like, okay, it was me that was standing there talking to that person, but that was so beyond me, that was God. Like, God was there. Or it was me that stepped into that situation and provided for that need, but man, that's mind-blowing. Or it was me that went into, like, we should be able to do that. Look at our lives and constantly go like, what was that? You ever had one of those moments where you step into like a, man, I've had it happen so many times where I've gone into like a hospital room where there's just something traumatic going on and you just step in, you're like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, and then you, like these words are coming and you walk out and you're like, God, that was amazing. You, you did it. Like it was all you. Like we should have that moment like constantly. Like, like every time we turn around, God, that was so you. Like, like I know I was there. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was physically standing there, but that, the whole thing was you. But because I'm completely reliant on your Holy Spirit because that's the way I live. Now, the opposite of that is true as well, right? I know this, that, that if you're out there trying to follow Christ 
if you're out there trying to live out this book in your own power, I already know something. It's a struggle, isn't it? If you're trying to fulfill this in your own power, I know that you're frustrated. You're disappointed. And following Christ for you feels like a burden in a way. Because you're trying to do what was only ever intended to be done with power from on high. That's why Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Look at that. Paul didn't tell the Ephesians, you guys need to be strong. Like power to the Ephesians. Right? That's not what he's doing. He says, you guys... If you're going to be strong, the only way it's going to happen is if you're strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And Jesus told His disciples, don't even try it. Like, like don't even get started. Don't even go anywhere. Stay put until you've received power from on high. So then with that said and our ability to see it clearly in red letters before us, we then want to start to look at our lives and ask some questions. We want to ask ourselves, is my life and my faith and is my witness characterized by power from on high? Because one of the great dangers of Christian life is that we settle into a comfortable and convenient form of Christianity. Now, that's a long way from where Jesus would ever have us be, but it is a natural tendency of humanity. We always want to make ourselves more comfortable than we are, right? Like, like we do that with our houses. We, we try to make our houses more and more comfortable as we live in them longer. We do it with our Christianity. We, we, we start off like on fire and we're loving the Lord and, and we're willing to just go for God, but then we find this convenient form of Christianity that we kind of settle into. And that's why so many people that I talk with and counsel with, it makes me sad to say that that so many times over and over I hear this, like, I used to have this walk with the Lord. They they look back at a time when when they were so much closer to the Lord. We don't want to ever do that. We don't ever want to look back and say, man, I used to be on fire for the Lord. I don't know how I got here, but my, my... prayer life used to be so much deeper and more meaningful. My times of worship used to be so much deeper and more meaningful and connected to, to God. And, and my, my victory over sin and ability to stand against temptation used to be so much stronger. We don't ever want to be there, right? But we have to recognize th- that there is this thing within humanity where we're prone to gravitate to something that is is convenient and comfortable as a form of Christianity, but it ends up being a long way from where Jesus would have us be. Or maybe as we're talking about these things, like you haven't settled. Like, Like you haven't settled, but you've never ever really walked like you never started. You never started walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, like it's just never been a part of your life to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because you didn't know any of this stuff. Like maybe all of this is new and you've never been taught these things and you're hearing it for the first time. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you've been scared to do so. And you go like, man, if I surrender my life to the Holy Spirit, he's going to like take me and make me do things that are like, 
not make you because he doesn't make you do anything, but he's going to take my life and send me into situations that are way beyond me. And if they're way beyond me, then they're scary, right? And so sometimes we're scared to, to relinquish our lives to the Holy Spirit because if I do, he's going to take me somewhere outside of my, myself. So maybe it's one of those things. Maybe you've never heard it. Maybe you've been scared. Whatever it is, maybe you know this morning that you love Jesus. Like maybe you know that you have come to faith, you believe the Bible, and maybe you know you want to live it out, but when you look at your life, you don't see the power of God active in your life. Right? The answer then is that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no substitute for it. And ultimately, that's a matter of surrendering my life and my will and any attempt that I have to do it on my own to him, to the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, now we're going to get into that more next week. Next week, we're going to spend at least one Sunday talking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But our goal for today is this, and I hope that we all are getting there, is that we would recognize our utter dependence on the Holy Spirit. Like, if we're going to be what we're supposed to be, if we're going to do what we're supposed to do, if we're going to live this out, like my hope right now is that we're starting to understand that that we are 100% utterly dependent on a move of the Holy Spirit. Because the reality in the modern American church today is that there's a lot of power missing. Is there not? Like, can we just be honest about that? Can we even be honest about like here in this room and just say there's not nearly the power at work in this room that there should be, right? Can we just come and and like recognize things for what they are? Like, look, we've got more books about God than ever and we experience him less, right? We got the stuff, right? We've got more programs in the churches across America than we've ever had, and we still don't have revival in sight, right? There's more seminary-trained, right, ministers than ever, more Bible colleges, more conferences than we can attend than ever before, and less people getting saved. From a book called Spirit Rising that was written by Jim Cimbala, but the quote's not from him. It's in the foreword, and it was written by Francis Chan, and he says this. He says, every Sunday... Millions of people sit bored in church services. Anybody bored? Would you admit to it if you were? I mean, it's just the beginning of the quote. It's not the whole quote. Every Sunday, millions of people sit bored in church services. Even the churches that spend a fortune on production and put on a great show eventually dissatisfy. But think about something. Is it possible to be bored with the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to be bored with the Holy Spirit? If he was truly moving, would we ever look at our watches? So isn't boredom a sure sign of the Spirit's absence? This is not about asking the Holy Spirit's help. It's about asking him to take over. I love this part. He says this. It is for those who refuse to put up with going through the motions any longer. That's what we're talking about this morning. We need to be a people that just say no. 
Like we refuse to go through the motions of cold, dead religion. Like we're desperate for the Spirit. He goes on to say this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing, John 6, 63. He says, stare at that verse. Do you believe it? Does your prayer life reflect it? The Holy Spirit is not merely helpful. He's our only hope. He's the one who gives life. Yet, when people lack life, the church often points to other solutions. When church services lack life, we grasp at so many other methods to try to generate excitement. Oh, Lord, please keep us from that. Like, like the last thing we ever want to do is be over here trying to manufacture some replica of spiritual life. So to generate some man-made excitement by other methods. Church, what we have to do, what we have to do is see our soul depravity and be desperate for the Holy Spirit. Like, like we have to be desperate for an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. Like we can't prop up other things. We can't look at numbers and say the Holy Spirit's moving. We can't get more exciting songs where we clap faster and say, look at that, that was the Holy Spirit going right there. We need an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. But here's the good news for every single one of us. The person and the power of the Holy Spirit is readily available for every single believer. Every single one of us. In fact, if we were to ask Jesus, what would he tell us? It's mandatory, right? If we're going to live for him and follow him into mission, he would say it's mandatory. So I hope that we're starting to develop now a good sense that any authentic life and ministry apart from the Holy Spirit would be impossible for us. And hopefully what's happening right now is that our hearts are being stirred by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to start to seek out the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the goal this morning is that we would leave here in awe of the power that's available to every single one of us. So so what I want to do as we end today is I want to look at a couple of scriptures that will talk about how much power is available through the Holy Spirit. Because you might be sitting there, well, this is all good and great, and we understand that there's power from the Holy Spirit, but what does that mean? Like I get 12 amps or what? Like what does it mean? Like how much is available to me? A good place to look is in Ephesians. I'll put it up here on the screen. It says this. Paul began to pray for the Ephesian church, and it starts this way in verse 18. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So as Paul begins to pray for the Ephesian church, he begins by saying, I hope you understand who you are in Christ. That's what he gets. I want you to understand that that you are his rich and glorious inheritance, that you have this confident hope in him. I hope that your heart is so flooded with his light that you understand who you are in Christ. That's where he begins, but watch where he goes. Verse 19. 
He says, and I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. Now watch what he did right there. He says, I hope you guys understand who you are in Christ, but I don't want it to stop there. Like, like, don't stop with salvation. Don't stop with just understanding who you are in Christ. You need to move on to understand the incredible power that, that is there for those who believe. But what is this power? And how much power is available? He now tells us the depth of this power. Look at verse 19 again. I also pray that you will understand this incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe in Him. And then watch this. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Our little brain should explode at this point. Do, do you understand what we just read? And the power that he's talking about here is a reference to the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that is attributed with raising Jesus from the dead. That's what it says in Romans 1 verse 4. It says, He showed Himself to be the Son of God when He raised Him from the dead. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That means that, that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that conquered sin, death, and the devil and raised a dead man to life. And Paul just said, we have that power within us. There, there's so much power available to the disciple of Jesus that is willing to, to give our life to the Lord that Paul writes this later in Ephesians. Listen, listen to what he says. Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here in context. He's able through His mighty power at work within us to what? Accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He just said that God is able to do more through your life and more through my life than we're even able to comprehend. What that means is if we were to sit here and say, you know what, for the next 10, 15 minutes, let's just close our eyes and try to dream up what we think God could do through my life, your life. Like if you just sat there and you go, you know what, next 10 minutes, I'm going to just dream up. If I were to surrender my whole life to God and I was to give him every part of me and everything that I am, if I'm all in and I'm going to sit here and dream of like the greatest thing that he could do through my life and, and this many people could be saved and this many people could be reached and, and that's what could happen and that's my dream, Paul just said it would still fall short of the ability of God to work through our lives. Our little brains just be like, like, really? Whatever I dream, he can do more through me. It just comes down to, are we willing like, to let go of our own deal and live for him? Like, We're, we're going to get more into this in the next few weeks, talking about filling the Holy Spirit and surrendering to him. But, but I believe the Holy Spirit is strong enough to minister to us right now 
in, in, like if we gave him our lives right now, he can do more than we could even think about. And I dream big dreams. So that's just crazy. Man, do you know what I want to see happen through us as a church? The word just said it falls short of what he can do. We ought to leave this room now in awe of the power of the Holy Spirit. Like we ought to go into a time of worship like floored, minds blown. God, are you kidding me? You just promised that that the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to me? to live this life for you and to be on mission for you? Like, I gotta, I gotta admit, I think most of us would probably think if we asked, like, how much power is available to us, it would never even come close to that one. Power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to every single one of us for holy living and missioning. Let's pray. Lord, we're in awe of your word. Sometimes there's a point where there's just nothing more to say. Like, what else could be said, Lord? Other than we surrender. What else could be said? We're in awe of the fact that you offer that sort of power to us. But it is an offer. You don't force it on us. Lord, you know we need it. You know our struggles. You you see our lives. You know our thought life. You see our apathy. and You know our tendencies. So you know, Lord, we need that power. I pray for every one of us in this room right now, Lord, that as we leave, we would have a new appreciation the fact that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that conquered sin, that conquered the grave, that conquered the devil, that set us free, is within us. Like you've put that power within our lives. There's really nothing left for us to do, Lord, than to surrender our lives and to just be in awe of you as we worship. Lord, that's just what we're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.